Hello to anyone who is listening. My name is Jess and I am a producer for Tell Media. And today I am talking to Gitta Mary Johansson and she is a sustainability content creator from Denmark. Welcome to the podcast. How are we? Thank you so much for having me. I'm great. How are you? Good. Yeah, all good. Enjoying the uh, mad weather we're having. Uh, and just the general chaos of the office. It is an absolute. I mean, like I'm looking world. outside the window now. It's snowing. Oh, you have windows. We have no windows in our office. This is our problem. Oh, so oh I mean, I'm I'm in my bedroom, so. Oh, <laughs> so we just see in the corner of our screens. It's now snowing. We're like, oh, is it? That's crazy. <laughs> so, do you want to uh, explain a little bit about what it is that you do and kind of the platforms that you work on? Yeah, so since 2015, I have worked with Zero Waste and Sustainable Living, Low Impact Living. I started off with a blog and my Instagram, and since I have evolved into making YouTube videos. And in 2016, I think I started giving like real public in real life speaks. And I've done that ever since. And in 2020, I had my debut as an author with my Danish book, Sustainable Badass, that is coming out this year in the US. We're excited about it. And that's sort of what I do. I talk mainly about low impact, zero waste impact of different products, goods and services. Um, and yeah, just I want to show people all the both the good things and the bad things and the imperfections and the flaws and the difficult things about trying to be more sustainable. But I also want to show all the good things that come with it, the amazing quality of life that I personally get from trying to reduce my own impact. And uh, yeah, just want everyone to follow on this, I would say, rather transparent journey that I am taking. Yeah, absolutely. I've been reading your blog yesterday. I uh, really enjoyed reading it, by the way. <laughs> it makes for Thank a good you read. so much. That means a lot. <laughs> so how did writing the book come about? Did did Was that something that you decided or were you kind of approached for it? So I wanted to write a book and I've been wanting to for a long time. I graduated the University of Oldberg in 2019. And basically around that time, I had decided that, okay, you know what, next step for me and my business will be to do a book. I spent the last two years at uni really building up so I could go straight into being an independent business owner and just work with content creation full time, which was what I did. And I knew around that time, okay, I want to do a book, so I'll probably start prepping for it so I ended up emailing tons of uh, different publishers in Denmark and I got a meeting with one who was super excited about it I thought I was going to have you know a meeting where I was going to pitch the idea I came in there all like listen to me this is a good idea please let me write this book and they had a completely different idea of that meeting because they thought it was like a contract meeting so they just gave me a contract they were already sold on the idea which was amazing so all that energy I had, my pitching energy, was suddenly just, what? Where is it? Uh, so I've been I've been wanting to write a book for a long time, and I made the initial first reaction, and then I was contacted. I think about a year after the book came out in Denmark, I was contacted by a US publisher that wanted to publish it uh, in an English version, and I'd already started doing the translation anyway, so that fit perfectly. Oh, perfect! Oh, it looks like it's all working out for you then. I'm gonna read it. I lived with um a girl called Maisie at uni and she was she's very like sustainability focused and she ran an instagram and she did um she started a society on campus called swap don't shop so like people bringing yeah. in their clothes and doing like swaps and stuff 
which has now been uh, adopted, as they call it, adopted by um, other students at um, the University of York. So shout out to Swap Don't Shop. <laughs> They're doing great stuff. That's so cool. I love yeah, that stuff. Um, yeah. You walked into our bathroom and it was like, right, five bamboo toothbrushes and like <laughs> all of all that. We had it all matching. We had it down to the, the gang showing up. Absolutely. Yes, definitely. So kind of with uh, kind of going green, as it were, like how, what was kind of the influence in fact that made you want to start to really live quite consciously in the first place? Like, How did that come about? So for the longest time, I never thought about my own impact, actually. Um, I used to think I was going to work in the fashion industry, which is basically the complete opposite of what I'm doing now. And I'd never really thought about, you know, my actions and the consequences of my consumption and the things I bought, where they came from or who produced them, etc. I never thought about it in my life. And then I just read somewhere that all the plastic that has ever been produced, all the plastic I've ever used in my life, still exists somewhere on this planet because it's a fossil material. It doesn't just poof, go away. It can change shape and form and size for sure, but it's never going to go away. And that just started, you know, like this spiral, this rabbit's hole of just finding more things and finding new information. And I sort of my initial zero waste thought or what I wanted to do was like, I wanted to do like a fun month experiment where I tried to be zero waste for a month. And then I just never looked back from there. Um, also because it takes a lot longer than a month to go completely zero waste. If there even For is sure. such a thing. So where would you kind of recommend people start? So, the, I mean, where I started in the bathroom. I think your, your bathroom things are very easy to kind of go at least recyclable and stuff like that and there's plenty of like refill stations and whatnot but how would you recommend people kind of start easing themselves in i mean that depends on your preferences or your interests personally i found that it was easier for me to start in the kitchen so i started looking at you know like cling aluminium foil plastic bags stuff like that outfacing those products outfacing you know plastic dish brushes and soaps in different containers and then I started looking at what kind of food I was buying and if I could go for like farmer's market produce that was unpackaged rather than supermarket goods that were both like super imported, super packaged, all that kind of stuff. Um, but bathroom definitely works as well. Oh, now Molly is just in the background here. I, you, I don't think you can see her. I can see her in my video. It doesn't matter. Uh, my dog is on the bed now and behind me, just walking about. Oh, perfect. That is fine. We're completely fine with that. We're all for pets. Oh, that, tell. oh look, there she is. <laughs> oh, what a beauty. Oh, she's Sorry, lovely. But sometimes <laughs> so if you're only listening and if you're not watching, um, I have a dog and she's a little dumbass and she's always in the background. Very distracting, but that's okay. Um, but I also definitely recommend looking into like bathroom stuff because there's so many things we don't have like this super close relationship to that we use every day. So, you know, stuff like toothbrushes, toothpastes. We have where our towels come from. We have our shampoo, etc. Those are not necessarily meaningful products, but, you know, service products, care products we use in our everyday life. And we have sort of the room often to try out new things because it doesn't necessarily feel as intimidating as sometimes trying out new dishes might be if that makes sense um but i think definitely both things has really good benefits absolutely yeah 
So when you kind of started out, did you start out on YouTube or did you kind of go for the blog first? Like regarding just content creation in general, how did you get going? And for other people who might be hoping to do the same thing, um, what kind of advice do you have? Um, so I started actually out with my own blog. I definitely also think it's easier to create pictures uh, rather than video. So if you just want to show or speak or talk, but like it's easier to create still standing images. And that's sort of how I started out. And I think I started out when Instagram was also quite new. So not a lot of stuff was happening on Instagram, which was um, pretty interesting. Now it's very different and the platform works in different ways from when I started. Um, and I think when I talked about zero waste in Denmark specifically, only a handful of people had ever mentioned it. I was one of the first people to talk about it here. And now, of course, there's a huge community and a huge interest and following. So obviously it's different now, but I definitely recommend that you start out with a medium that works really well for you and that you like working in. Um, which is also why I ended up transitioning more towards video because I feel like I could say and show a lot more. And my content also went from being, you know, like me just sitting in a chair speaking to me sort of showing you guys around my day, showing you like more practical elements of zero waste living because a lot of people can do this, do this, do this. But if there aren't really any examples of how that is done in reality or what kind of problems that might pose in reality, it can be a little bit unrelatable, I think. So what I try to do is that I show with vlogs throughout both my day or my week. Okay, these are the problems that I'm having this week, or this is something that I find difficult, or this is something that was a lot easier than I expected, etc. To show how it's all, you know, this is so cliche, but how it's all a journey, which it is, but it sounds cheesy. Well, if it's right, it's right. There you go. Uh, so reading yeah. on your blog, you've done plenty of, of traveling. So kind of what are some of your favorite sort of travel stories and some of your favorite places that you've been? Oh, I mean, I have I started a couple of years ago um, looking into green travel. So I phased out flying and then I started taking trains or buses and started evolving with that, which I think is cool. I also definitely acknowledge that it's really difficult, especially if you have like work, family, etc. Facing out flying completely is very unattainable to a lot of people. And I recently talked about that on my own platform, how I recently had to take a flight, actually. Um, but if you have the option to travel without planes, I think definitely you should give it a go. And one of my first trips without planes, it was in a bus and it was from Aalborg to Brussels. It was like a 13 hour bus ride. And I read, I think I read like half of the Order of the Phoenix on the way there. Um, (laughs) Time was spent. But it was, it was a really, really, it was a second hand, by the way. Just (laughs) like that people were not supporting the slide second hand. (laughs) Um, But that trip was just so amazing. And I had such a great time. And I felt so, I felt so accomplished because I was able to do this thing. And I'd been a little bit scared to take like longer trips like that. And that was just really amazing. I think that was super cool. And I'm looking forward to going again. Um, I'm going to, because Altberg is pretty close train-wise to many bigger German cities. It's also easy to get to Paris, etc. So I'm hoping that either this spring, which is now summer or autumn, that I'm able to go and travel like that again. Because I think it's so much fun. 
Yeah, absolutely. And did I see that you went to London recently as well? What did you think? I what did, you yeah. Oh, you know, London has this special place in my heart because I've been there many, many times when I was very little. And it's just almost like my legs just walk automatically to the places I need to go. And it was my first solo travel in a while. So I've been having some pretty serious travel anxiety. So I decided to take... Molly just jumped down on the bed. She's just like, you cannot control this dog. I've had some pretty serious travel anxiety. So I decided, you know what? I want to do this. I want to see like how it goes, etc. And I just had the most amazing time. I had so much food. So much food. Um, I usually, when I travel, I use Happy Cow, which is this app so you can see what the vegan or vegetarian options are in any given area, if there are any. And there are many, many different uh, opportunities for vegan, plant-based, vegetarian, etc. in London. So I just ate all the time, constantly. Absolutely, yeah. And, thrift, I, and went to thrift shops as well. Oh my goodness. Oh yeah. All right. I yeah. mean, have you ever? Been, what's your experience of the Midlands? <laughs> the Midlands in the UK. Fine if you've not been there. No one has. <laughs> I don't think I have. I don't think I have actually. Oh well, my favorite city. In, I'm a Midlands girl, and my favorite city is Nottingham. And that Nottingham is chock full of like vintage and thrift shops. And they have like, yeah, it's like a chain kind of um, thrift shop. They're called White Rose, but they're really well spaced out because I think a lot of people's gripes with charity shops and stuff like that is that they can feel a bit jumble sailing. But if White Rose mm-hmm. is a really good place to start and Nottingham is a gorgeous city, everyone should go. Those are my opinions. There you go. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, that's so cool. And the thing about I I love thrift shopping or generally just secondhand shopping whenever I'm traveling because a lot of souvenirs are often mass produced, produced in sweatshops, produced really unethically and really unsustainably. But every time I travel somewhere, I go to a thrift shop and I get like a thing for my house from that place. So I have like this little glass bottle for balsamic vinegar from CNA and then I have like this weird pair of glasses and like this tub from Copenhagen and then I have like this one from Hamburg this thing from Paris, this thing from London. And I use them every single day. So it can be like sunglasses, plates. I have like this wine glass from Malaga, which I love and I use every single day. And you always reminded that the, oh, these things came from that place and it came from that place. And it was all reused. So they have like this huge history that you don't really know, but you just know it's there. And I think that's fun. And it's the most sustainable way of gathering souvenirs as well. Yeah, that is a really good idea. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that one. That is a good idea. Uh, I want to go to Turin in Italy. I tried to oh. go, but it didn't really happen. But Kat, who is another producer at Tell, um, is a big advocate for uh, for Turin. So I'm going to try and head over there at some point, I think. I, think I it's haven't crossed. been. No? Oh, well, apparently it's full of museums and, and stuff like that. And I'm all for museums. Well, that is my jam. That is my jam. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Me too. Me too. Uh, so what are kind of your hopes going forward in terms of um, both just content creation generally and uh, with sustainability? Where are you kind of hoping short term and then maybe in 10 years time? Oh, that is a big question. So in <laughs> for, short <Sorry>. term, <laughs> for short term, I right now I'm just still growing my platform kind of. Um, but also still finding out what kind of content resonates the most with me. So it changes a lot. Um, A couple of years ago, I started the Impact series because I could see that 
oh, there is definitely a big need for content specifically. Now, this is only a video about aluminium and it's only about aluminium. And when you've watched this, you know pretty much everything about aluminium. And I still do these videos quite a lot with different kinds of materials. And I want to grow that format even more and talk more about these very specific things in sustainability, because at this point we know the big things. And when you search sustainability tips online, it's sort of like the same 12 to 14 different tips. It's sort of like no plastic bag, reusable straw, cutlery set. It's all the same things all the time. And I think most consumers get it now. And even if they don't, it's easily accessible information. So I want to dig a little deeper and keep evolving my content and keep becoming like keeping curious honestly and just researching also for myself because I am benefiting tremendously from like this research series because I learned so much about so many different things and I think it's super interesting um but for 10 years time I couldn't tell you what I want to do I assume that I won't be doing Instagram and stuff like that in 10 years but I don't know really I'm kind of excited to see where this goes so one of the things that I have been thinking a lot about is now I talk a lot to consumers specifically and I've done a little bit of work with corporations or with companies that want to become more sustainable, uh, both in terms of, you know, like the laws and restrictions surrounding pollution and sustainability um, supply chain, transparency, stuff like that. And a lot of companies want to do better, but have a really hard time navigating what's right or what's wrong or what's true or what's false. Um, and sort of just understanding what consumers want and what is feasible to do. And I would love to get into, you know, like the company um, sort of at, uh, like, what do you call that? Sort of like giving advice to companies that want to do better, but perhaps don't necessarily have the qualifications to know what to look for. Because like at this point, I've been working with this for a long time and I assume that I'll work with this in 10 years as well because I love doing it. I'm so happy every morning I wake up. But perhaps it will evolve from a very consumer-focused um, form of educational content and into speaking more to companies because we, we as consumers, we have a lot of impact. We have a lot of power by ourselves, but we do not necessarily have the power to yield the entire changing body of sustainability by ourselves. We need to get... Uh, pol politics involved and we need to get the industry involved as well because like sustainability sort of like rests on three legs and they're all important but what we do in our household is a mere tiny part of what impact everything else around us is having so I want to talk about those things as well um, and perhaps become more politically involved as well yeah absolutely it all sounds great so we I don't know, um, I don't know. Yeah, who knows? You might get picked up by Netflix and do a documentary. Speak it into the world. Oh my goodness! Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Let's go for it. Um, so, what do you think about the whole argument about um, virtual events contributing to sustainability and stuff like that? In that, obviously, when everything stopped and the world kind of shut down, we saw like canals clearing up and like nature taking over again and stuff like that. So. What's your kind of take on the whole going virtual to save things um, kind of argument? I mean, there's definitely benefits to it. Um, there are also downsides, absolutely. And I think mental health wise, it took a big, big toll on a lot of people. 
I would also like to note that even though we did like, and because the media picked up on these things instantly, so I was also just bombarded with articles about there are dolphins in this river and there hasn't been for ages because <laughs> humans live inside now. Nature is taking over. It's amazing. However, our overall global uh, greenhouse gas emissions only reduced with like 5% because the major contributors to ocean pollution, the major contributors to greenhouse gas emissions were still doing their thing. It was all still happening. And that, again, I think is a good picture on how consumers, even though there are more consumers than there are billion dollar corporations, we don't have the same power individually as they do. Um, so even though I think there are definitely benefits to it, I had so many online meetings that could just continuously also now still be online meetings. We don't need to travel to have like a 30, 30 minute meeting anymore. Like that's also okay. And so many online meetings could then also just have been an email. I do like talking to people though, but um, yeah. even with, you know, the mental health strains of being kind of isolated, I don't think that's healthy for people in general. At least it's not healthy for me because I started craving social interaction on all the time. I was bothering my friends every single minute of every day because I was just like, stop, just keep hitting my plant. I was just starved for social interaction. But overall, there's definitely a lot of benefits to virtual events. Not, you know, as the only thing we do, because I think once it's the only thing we do, it becomes detrimental to our mental health and to how we work. But there are definitely many things that absolutely can be virtual. I was just invited this week to a virtual documentary screening, for instance. Instead of traveling all the way to Copenhagen's like six hours with the train, I can just watch it from home. Everyone got a login. That's so much easier. That is so much nicer, honestly. Um, and a lot of things like that. I really like to see that some companies and events are sort of taking the good things from the lockdown, if you can say that, and then using them and interpreting them and see how we can use how we can use those going forward. I think that's important. And I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. And kind of hybrid yeah. working is I I think the way forward because we're, that's kind of yeah. what we try and do in the office in that we'll have a couple of days in the office um, where we just see each other and like catch up and then obviously it's a lot easier to say oh what's You're your real on people like yeah yeah, yeah. it's a lot easier to just show people what you're doing than it is to like send them a link or like have to give them access to something or whatever but then we like yeah. go go and work from home do loads of work for a couple of days so we can come in and talk to each other and like ask what we had for dinner last night and what we're watching and yeah. you know not be work, and work, I think that's a good now. idea. Yeah, absolutely. Like so, yeah. Do you think hybrid working then probably taking, like you said, if you can call it the best parts, you know, maybe what we learned from the pandemic rather than the best parts? Yeah, I think that's a better way of putting it. Sort of just like the lessons that we can use constructively going forward. Yeah, that's exactly it. Exactly it. Uh, so, I mean, on what you're watching right now, what are you watching right now? <laughs> What I am, what am I watching right now? Sort of like shows. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So right now I just started the Gilded Age, which I got recommended from a friend. Um, I, I also started watching last night. I started watching the principles of pleasure on Netflix. And I think stuff like that is so incredibly interesting. I love, you know, just exploring that field and how like 
centuries of misogyny can sort of be boiled into how we think about and how we talk about our bodies today, I think is really interesting. I wrote my master thesis on something like that as well. Um, so that's what I'm watching right now. Then I also watch just, and you can, I can say it, it's okay, judge me. Everyone online will judge me. I watch a lot of trash because I work a lot. So I end up using, you know, like my screens, I end up using like my screen time or like my leisure time to sort of unwind with some really, really bad reality shows sometimes. And it just feels so nice. So I've just watched like two seasons of Below Deck and I have no regrets. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. I'm watching, and I do recommend this, uh, Human Resources on Netflix, which is a Big Mouth spin-off. Any Big Mouth fans out there? Oh yeah, I've seen um, that. I loved Big Mouth. That was really good yeah, as well. Yeah, and me and my partner finished the whole thing last night. It is really good. It's really highly rated on Rotten Tomatoes. And like the way they explain and deal with um, some very serious issues is very impressive because it's still funny. Yeah. They talk about all sorts. It's like um, postpartum depression and um, like people with dementia and, and still, I can't remember the rest of it now, but the, stuff like that. The way they deal with it and talk about it is like, it's genuinely very impressive. So, that was also something that stuck with me from Big Mouth. That's sort of like, you're making fun of these things, but you're not kicking down. You're making genuinely funny things. Yeah, without, it's like, you know, like just grabbing the absolute yeah. most low-hanging fruit about it. No, I really liked it. It was really cool. Yes, that and Drive to Survive, because we're doing Fantasy F1 in the office, and I don't know anything oh. about, about F1. Oh, no. Actually, <laughs> just last week, me and one of my friends, we watched the entire second season of Bridgerton in one go. I was home at, like, four in the morning, because, like, we had to watch the entire thing. Oh, I've um, not seen, I've still and seen I the haven't first done that. series. Oh, oh I, can, I can recommend, though. It's one of those things where just, like, it's trash but it's good trash and it knows and it just it caters to something very primal in all of us i think it's super super hilarious and funny um and i read a review once that said you will enjoy this show so much more if you just think about the fact that they are all stupid and when you know that it's so much more enjoyable to watch i i really really well, liked it like genuinely i loved it it has yeah, that soap I opera energy to it yeah, I've seen a resurgence on Twitter lately of people just being like, what happened to the good old rom-coms? They're always just something else now. You don't get rom-coms like you used to, but there you go. I'll have to give it a go, Bridget, and there you go. Um, so oh, yeah, we're absolutely. getting towards the end, so I have got to ask, in a film about your life, who would play you? Oh, goodness. Oh, goodness. Okay, so there's basically no way of answering this question without either like being super mean to yourself or being a little bit conceited, right? I know. It's like two <laughs> camps of it. Go for it. Uh, so one of the things that I hear basically every single week, there's always someone in my comments going, I don't know if anyone has ever told you this, but you look so much like Amelia Clark. And I used to have lighter hair as well, yeah. which definitely made it worse. So I would have to go simple just for accuracy. Of course. That is incredibly conceited. <laughs> I would have to go Emilia Clark, but I love her. She's just, she's such a breath of fresh air. She's just so happy and just, I love her. So that would also be okay with me. And she's, cool. but that again awesome. sounds super conceited and I didn't mean to be that. Maybe I did. It's okay. Yeah, be conceited. <laughs> go ahead. Um, Always. Um, so so yeah, I think that's my choice. Cast. Yeah, we're getting quite the cast of people together from these episodes. We've got, who we've got so far? Um, 
God, the only one I can remember is the last chap I interviewed said Tom Hardy. Jeff from uh, Art of Protest said oh. Tom Hardy, which I agree with. So I think I'm Felicity Jones, if you know Felicity Jones. Yeah, 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 absolutely. From um, The Theory of Everything and all Some that. She's a, yeah, she's a Nottingham-based, I think she's Midlands anyway, but I like her, she's cool. Uh, so, where can the people who are listening find you and what would you like to plug? You know, you can find me on YouTube or you can find me on my own blog. You can find me on TikTok as well if you're into that. And you can find me on Instagram. I am Mary everywhere. And my website is gidemary.com where you can find recipes and articles and just everything you want. And if I had to plug one thing, I think it would be um, both my book, which is already available for pre-order, on uh, um, my impact series. If you're interested in anything on YouTube um, where you want to sort of watch and just learn something about a specific topic, I think there are like 50 videos in that playlist now. And it's everything from fast fashion to animal agriculture to stainless steel to bamboo. You can find everything. Um, and yeah, I think you should find everything. All right, that's perfect. Thank you very much. So, Amazing. Uh, thank you for coming on the podcast and uh, see you next time to everyone that's listening. Thank you so much for having me.